0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name is T2756. Would you like to have sex with me now for money? Worst movies ever played is back. With three new VHS movies for your ears. Sextapede, you're alive again. Ah. How I've missed you. Anything can happen in this actual play RPG podcast. And we mean anything. You didn't think you could go to Texas Instruments without murdering someone, did you? Ah. Subscribe to Worst Movies Ever Played, wherever you get your podcasts. No, I'm too mad at everything else to be snarky to you, Gavin. Just hit the language warning. The following podcast contains... You used to be a kind, loving man, and now you're a foul-mouthed monster! Explicit language. Hello, and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple, poignant, heartfelt question. Everyone in this fucked-up country... What the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bloodsoe, and this is episode number 367. Who could have seen it coming edition of the show where we talk about, well, what the hell do you think we're going to talk about? The end of row. Stay tuned. The What the Hell do You Thinking podcast is brought to you by My Mailbox. Literally, I mean, My Mailbox. You see, My Mailbox is in New York City. Which isn't a place where abortions are legal, safe, and the medications for inducing abortions can be mailed to anyone within the city and state. And My Mailbox wants you to know you can use My Mailbox as a mailing address for your abortion pills. When they arrive, I will take them out of My Mailbox, repackage them in safe, anonymous packaging, and send them to your mailbox wherever you may live. Hell, I can't even stuff them in a little teddy bear or a box of chocolate so no one can imagine that the mail from my mailbox to your mailbox is full of abortion pills. My mailbox. A safe place to say you get your mail so you can get your abortion pills because fuck them God-bothering pieces of shit wherever it is you live. Pro-life. And I always say, see, my theory, here's my actual theory beyond uh, the huge, hilarious jokes I have. (laughs) Here's my real theory, though. If you're so pro-life and you're so pro-child, then adopt one that's already here that's very unwanted and very alone and needs someone to take care of it to get it out of a horrible situation. Okay? And people say, why don't you do that? And I say, because I hate fucking kids and couldn't care less. (laughs) Couldn't give a fuck. Don't care at all about abortion. It's your choice. Case closed, the end. bottom line. And by the way a three-month-old kid, and your belly is not a fucking human being. Okay? It's a bunch of little congregate cells. You're not a human till you're in my phone book. <laughs> <laughs> there, my hat is now in the political ring. I was born in the latter half of the 20th century to a position of privilege and power through no effort or indeed exertion of my own. It was all through the genetic lottery of possessing two very white parents and the coin flip of a chromosome that came up penis and that I'm attracted to a gender that is opposite my own. How wonderful for you. Now I wasn't born into money and my life hasn't been easy but all things considered being born a straight white dude has worked out pretty great for me. Which is ridiculous because if I were anything other than a white straight dude I would definitely be fucked. Probably in jail. I'm I'm a couple of kids living in a trailer in some godforsaken mountain holler in southeast Tennessee. But because of that skin tone of peanuts, folks just seem willing to give me the benefit of the doubt that I definitely don't deserve. So what I'm saying is, is I'm probably going to come out of this little historical moment just fine. Oh, okay. Fuck you very much. Okay, well. Nor have I ever had to deal with a partner who needed an abortion. Had a couple of close calls along the way, some late periods, but in general, through careful management of bodily emissions and a wonderful woman who would shoulder the contraceptive burden, the issue has never really been relevant in my life. Do you want a cookie now? No, I'm good. I'm just saying that my opinions on the end of row are not something most people should be interested in because fuck me, that's why. If you need an opinion or a factual anecdote, ask any woman you know. They'll have plenty to say about the issue. And they're the people whose voices need to be heard, but we don't have a woman on this Sausage Festival podcast, and I won't presume to speak for them in this moment in history. Now, if I had a woman, I'd turn this show over to her right now, but uh, I don't because they have more important things to be doing, like burning shit down and howling for the blood of a Supreme Court justice. I should we give it to them. But this is a show where we talk about, well, what happened and why it happened. And in that narrow lane, I have some small room to talk because you see, I have a lot of experience with people who are, <laughs> I guess now, were against abortion. I've mentioned a time or 20 that my parents and I could not be more different if we were from some separate planets and it should come as no surprise that both of them had issues with the idea of what they termed baby murder. I'm not shocked. You shouldn't be. And I, I've not spoken to my parents recently, but I can only imagine that the two of them are thanking Jesus for this victory over the forces of what they see as capital E, evil. My mother once explained to me her personal reasons for being anti-abortion, and that's a story I'm not gonna tell because it's not my story and it's intensely personal. And as far as reasons go for being personally against abortion, hers are good. But that's about her choice not to have an abortion. Her reasons for why no one else should be allowed to have an abortion, well, those are, (laughs) I I would call them a bit more simplistic. Because Jesus told me to. Now I've said before, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I'm reasonably familiar with the general contents of the New Testament. And even the simplest of text searches on said Testament will demonstrate what I'm about to say. Jesus said jack and shit about abortion never mentioned it not even an oblique references there were no parables about the day after his birthday driving his girlfriend to the clinic and how cold it was that morning in the car are a lot of people confusing jesus with ben folds Look, you can check all you want for the, birth of the words abortion or references to a pregnancy, and you are never gonna find them in the fucking Bible. I mean, there are plenty of references about killing kids after they were born, and a lot of them seem to come from this God guy asking his people to do it. So I'm not at all sure why my mom and everyone like her got the idea that Jesus was against abortion. Well, I mean, that's not exactly true. I do know where it came from. Someone just made that up, right? Yep, and would you like to guess who made that shit up? Like a white guy. Yeah, now scholars will drop names like the or Clement of Alexandria or Tertullian or St. Basil along with Gregory of Nyssa and Maximus the Confessor, which would be a fucking awesome name for a metal singer. But they were early Christian thought leaders on issues that uh, concern this topic at hand and every goddamn one of them was born century after centuries after yeshua ben yosef died where it really becomes a thing is here in the states a bit later than those old white dudes and it gets going with according to wikipedia yeah we're going to be quoting the wikipedia a lot because we're on a turnaround here quote in 1966 the national conference of catholic bishops the nccb asked then Reverend James T. McHugh to begin observing twins in the reform of policy on abortion, unquote. The Catholic Church has long had a habit of sticking its nose into the sexual business of other people, when they weren't making their business to stick their dicks in altar boys. Oh, that's a good burn. McHugh went on in 1973 after Roe was announced to formalize the National Right to Life Committee to unify various Christian groups, even Protestants, into collective action to combat the sin of abortion. Oh, right to life. You know, that's always struck me as a bitterly ironic sort of term. Someone care to show me how this right to life works? I mean, first of all, there's no mandate that any one individual is born. There are like hundreds of thousands of sperm in every jizz load. And not all of those hundred thousand sperm, every load have the right to exist. And hey, not every egg that gets fertilized makes it through gestation. And Come on, children die every fucking day through any number of ways. Didn't those kids in Uvalde have a right to life? But you know what? They're fucking dead. Someone show me a contract that says anyone has a right to life and I will show them the fucking obituary pages. Fuck that nonsensical bullshit. But it was the God-botherers that decided they were the arbiters of this fictional right to life. And it wasn't until two things happened, that really made anti-choice viable in this fucking stupid country. And the first was a bunch of religious grifters who discovered they could fundraise off abortion. One last long grift, huh? Yeah, I cannot emphasize enough that everything in this stupid fucked up country comes down to the grift. Quoted from the AmericanHistorian.com, quote, In the late 1970s and early 1980s, evangelical Christians joined the movement in great numbers, rejuvenating and eventually radicalizing the movement. Previously, in the late 1960s, evangelical scholars, pastors, and physicians could not agree on whether or not an abortion was sinful. But by the late 70s and early 80s, this sentiment had changed. Many evangelical laypeople and clergy opposed legal abortion and joined the fight to end it. Some simply joined existing pro-life groups. Others formed new, more radical groups that rejected the politics of legislative reform, Unquote. In the years leading up to and immediately after row, evangelical Christians did like abortion, But they lean towards being at least somewhat rational on the topic. Again, from Wikipedia, quote, During the 1971 and 1974 Southern Baptist Conventions, Southern Baptists were called upon to work for legislation that would allow the possibility of abortion under such conditions as rape, incest, or clear evidence of severe fetal deformity, and carefully ascertain evidence of the likelihood of damage to the emotional, mental, and physical health of the mother. W. Barry Garrett wrote in the Baptist Press, Religious liberty, human equality, and justice are advanced by the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court abortion decision. Unquote. Whoa. So you could see the issue wasn't so much on the minds of the church leaders and lay people. And hey, I was too young at that time in my life to remember a lot of what was going to church, but I sure as hell don't remember any hellfire and brimstone sermons about Roe. Oh, but then people with names like Jerry Falwell and Jim Baker, Jimmy Swaggart, and my favorite Oral Roberts began pouring out like roaches on a dropped french fry to get on fat. Fat, fat anti abortion money. I mean, you think those private jets are going to from, come from old ladies' pension checks with a lot of little grease on the wheels? Praise Jesus! Roe was a gift that kept on giving to every single one of these silk studded huckster motherfuckers who sold God to the morons of America that they had made and they made millions on telling people whose sexual organs had long since shriveled on the vine that the Lord told them that abortion was murder huh, and the only way to save them babies huh, was to dig deep into your pockets huh, and give your donations huh, so the pastor huh, could find and answer a waterslide at the Jesusland Amusement Park and Pro-Life Center. Praise his name. Maybe your pastor at East Boodlefuck Baptist had some kind of sincere religious conviction over abortions, but no one from the Pope down to Reverend Jimmy Ass Earl White on the Revival Circuit in Chickamauga, Georgia saw Roe as anything other than a fundraising windfall and a stepping stone to unimaginable riches and power. The televagist parasites of the 1980s grabbed onto Roe and used it to fundraise, fundraise, fundraise. So, so much money. Every single one of these swindling motherfuckers began turning on the tears and crying about the unborn and their sheep flocks responded by turning on the money machine and making it fucking rain. Hell, by 1980... These televangelist fuckers could afford thousands of abortions for their mistresses and first tolls for their wives, and every goddamn dime of it was fucking tax-exempt. And you know what? When that kind of money's on the table, it ain't long before the scavengers come swooping down to strip the fucking flesh off the bone, and when it comes to stripping the dead rotting flesh from the carcass of freedom, that can mean only one political party. It's the Republicans. The grand old party, indeed. The first big GOP name on the tit of evangelical money, mommy, was a douchebag by the name of Henry Hyde, congressman from Illinois. Hyde attacked an amendment onto a veto override of a health, education, welfare budget, preventing the federal funds to be used for any abortion, excepting the mother, excepting rape, incest, or the life of the mother being in jeopardy. Oh, surprise, surprise, in the 1980s, the rape and incest provisions were stripped out of that, leaving just the life of the mother. Maybe if she were white enough. Prior to Hyde, Medicaid was funded about 300,000 abortions a year because you know what? Poor women need abortions and they need help paying for them. After Hyde, that dropped to just over a few thousand a year. And you know how else is fucked over? Native American women. The federal government funds both health services on reservations and old Henry Hyde effectively stripped away the rights of these native women who know a thing or two about having their rights taken away (laughs) through this needed health care. Oh, yeah, I got got another one here. Now, this is for you conservatives out there. Anyone on active duty in the military, their dependents and their veterans, (laughs) ha, fuck you, no more abortions for you. Thank you for your service. And if you think this is like old news, that I don't want them to hide amendment, David, it was 1976. Who has to have anything to do with that? Do you know that when Obamacare passed in 2010, it too contained a provision stating that no federal funds would be used for abortion, for abortion and that was added as an executive order in order to get some votes by none other than Barack Hussein Obama. But oh, forget about Barry Pod, friends. There was one man who looked at the frothing fear rage spurred on by a dozen or so hypocritical Bible thumpers and thought to himself, you can use them. And it took the singular myopic vision of that one man who saw in the slack-witted, drooling faces of a million fuckwits that their fake faith-based outrage could wash him like a tidal wave of excrement from the overflowing shitter of middle America up to the pinnacles of power. And the only man who could be so base as to make this these simpletons his base? Come on. Get get you know the name. You know what he did. So come on and say it with me now. Ronald Wilson Reagan. In his blockbuster 1983 essay, the Gipper came out swinging like Nancy on a Hollywood casting couch. Quote, Well, the 10th anniversary of the Supreme Court decision in Roe V. Wade is a good time for us to pause and reflect. Our nationwide policy on abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy was neither voted for by our people nor enacted by our legislator. Not a single state had such unrestricted abortion before the Supreme Court decreed it to be national policy in 1973 but the consequences of this judicial decision are now obvious since nineteen eighty seventy three, more than 15 million unborn children have had their lives snuffed out by legalized abortions that's over 10 times the number of americans lost in all of our nation's wars no mistake abortion on demand is not a right granted in the constitution No serious scholar, including one disposed to agree with the court's results, has argued that the framers of the Constitution intended to create such a right. Shortly after the Roe v. Wade decision, Professor John Hart Eli, now Dean of Stanford Law School, wrote that the opinion is not constitutional law and gives no sense of obligation to try to be Nowhere do the plain words of the Constitution even hint at a right so sweeping to permit abortion up to the time the child is ready to be born. Yet that is what the court ruled. Unquote. That is not what the fucking court ruled, you lying sack of shit. But all Ronnie was never one to let something like the truth get in his rhetorical way. And yet our opponents tell us not to interfere with abortion. They tell us not to impose our morality on those who wish to allow or participate in the taking of the life of infants before birth. Yet no one calls it imposing morality to prohibit the taking of life after a child is born. We're told about a woman's right to control her own body. But doesn't the unborn child have a higher right, and that is, to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness no it doesn't you fucking simple oh i hate this man i hate this man and i hate his disingenuous bullshit You know, as a C-list actor (laughs) in Hollywood's golden era, we can safely assume that Ronnie at least financed a couple of abortions and his deep and abiding concern for the unborn didn't exist when he signed the Therapeutic Abortion Act of 1967, expanding abortion abortion access in California, though his later biographer said he was troubled by doing so. You know what troubled means when a politician says it? It means that he's doing something that later he contradicts in a different election campaign and has to explain oh well I, I guess we do know that Ronnie was troubled because he reached out to peanuts creator Charles Schultz who you know I gotta say when I think of a complex moral and health issue I think Charlie Brown and what had happened was is Schultz had penned a strip Which could mean whatever the fuck You wanted it to mean It was goddamn Charlie Brown It wasn't fucking Doonesbury Anyway, Ronnie said Schultz had touched a nerve With his pen and ink drawings of children This is the kind of deep thinking The Gipper was truly known for Seeking solutions in the funny pages I happen to know for a fact That he got most of his defense policy From Beatle fucking Bailey What Ronald Reagan did, whether or not he held a single shred of moral integrity on the matter, was give the worst fucking people in America a huge microphone and platform to oppress women. And these people did not need any help in that regard. From an essay titled Ronald Reagan and Abortion by Warren Martin Hearn, quote, The first thing that Ronald Reagan said at his first press conference on the day after he was elected in November of 1980 was he was going to make abortion illegal. This encouraged Senator Strom Thurmond to state on the Today Show two days later that he would seek the death penalty for doctors who do abortions, unquote. Now, I should note, for those of you who do not know, that fucking Strom Thurmond was a noted racist and segregationist who ran for president on the single issue of, I don't know, preventing black people from existing. But let's go back to our essay on the Gipper. Quote, on his inauguration day, Ronald Reagan invited leaders of the anti-abortion movement into the Oval Office and asked them what they wanted. I should note here that said leaders of the anti-abortion movement were people like Jerry Falwell. Those were the people that he brought in there. Coincidence? I think not. Reagan's new Secretary of Health, Education and Welfare, Richard Schweiker, spoke to an anti-abortion rally and declared that the Reagan administration would be a pro-life government. He then instituted the squeal rule that required school authorities to notify parents if their children Confidentially sought contraceptives at school clinics, including condoms, which, if you are familiar with history, would soon be extraordinarily relevant in the nascent AIDS crisis. He instituted the global gag rule that stated workers at Family planted clinics receiving federal funds could not so much as speak to women concerning the subject of abortion, even if their lives were in danger from pregnancy. The workers, physicians, nurses, and counselors were prohibited from using their medical judgment to give women life-saving advice, unquote. Seriously, fuck that guy. Dr. Hearn notes that Reagan's deep and abiding care for the unborn stopped when he needed fetal stem therapy for his fucking Alzheimer's. And Dr. Hearn concludes his essay thusly, quote, Ronald Reagan set out to make abortion a political crime against the state. Even in death, he may succeed. We will remember him for that, unquote. Well, you know what? We do remember you, Ronnie. And now I just gotta say. From the moment Roe was decided, the plan to get rid of it went into action. And it wasn't a plan by intellectuals and philosophers crafting compelling arguments to convince the nation of their position, but but a group of hucksters grasping the Bible in one hand and a moron's money in the other. And the politicians whose only real position was maintaining the dominant position of the white Christian male in this country. And of course, to make fact stacks from bone donor monies and land cush jobs in the private market once they left office. They don't give a fuck about women or children or even God. They give a fuck about controlling you. And if you think this will stop with abortions, I got the kingdom of heaven to sell you for just a small donation. And what is most infuriating of all is how the Democrats are shocked, shocked I tell you that this has come to pass. The fuckers have been telling us for 50 fucking years This is what they were going to do. And then they worked with single-minded devotion to make it happen. They literally took what little democracy we have in this country, shat on it, to stack the deck in the Senate and the courts, working for this very day. And now... Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, and Nancy Pelosi are all like... None of us could have seen this one coming. (laughs) It isn't like every single Republican has said, we are definitely going to take these rights away from these women because we hate them. And we're going to do it the very second we get a chance or anything like that. Yeah, they just sort of snuck it right past us all, right? And these fuckers have the temerity, the Democrats, to start pumping our fundraising emails hours. After women in over half the states in the country were demoted to third-class broodmares for the theocratic states of America. I'm sure the women in low-rent Gilead are super happy to donate to the DNC, Nance. Because I know I am. And what's worse... We kind of got to stick with these fuckers because they are literally all we've got. For every AOC, Liz Warren, Bernie Sanders, there are five go-along-to-get-along fuckheads out there that are perfectly content to have this be a get-out-the-vote issue come November. That's right, ladies. Your body is not only an incubator for the GOP, it's also a real needle mover when it comes to the polls for the Democrats. Aren't you thrilled? No, not, not, not really. No, nah. there's a little group out there that goes by the name of Jane's Revenge. Presumably, that's a reference to the synonymous Jane Roe, and uh, they're characterized as a left-wing American militant extremist pro-abortion rights group that to date have engaged in 19 acts ranging from spray paint a little graffiti to a couple of small firebombs on Empty offices in places like those fake abortion crisis centers or right-wing politicians and one church all over the country. And every time they do one of these (laughs) little protests, they leave a tag there that reads basically, if abortions aren't safe, you aren't either. Now, look, I'm not the sort of person that would ever encourage such behavior because legally that would expose me to certain liabilities as a podcaster. But if I had to say hypothetically what i thought about the things that jane's revenge is doing i would say that purely as a speculative statement that if they did more things like and most of all churches you know uh, i it would make people really upset and probably get your message across if you were to burn a say a couple of Mega churches? That would really make people sit up and take notice, but you definitely, definitely, definitely should not do that because that would be wrong. Blink, blink. Because it is high time for us to realize that a small number of God bothering asshats and their pet politicians who do not speak for the majority of America <laughs> indeed, they speak for a tiny number of zealots who through the application of money and political prowess have seized control of the government and forced the will of a very, very, very small minority on the majority. It is high time that shit stopped one way or another. But don't burn down churches because that's wrong. Unless, you know, you really, really want to. (laughs) That is it for our show this week. Look, seriously, this is fucked up okay to feel however you feel about this week i just wrote this week's show because i i couldn't talk about the canadian tuxedo and it was a dumb idea for a show anyway and really it seemed in poor taste for me to use that this week so we put a turnaround real quick on this show, which honestly, I should have had written and in the hopper ready to go when the decision came down. But you know, me and Chuck Schumer, I guess we're not so different after all because we didn't see it coming. And hey, I'm even going to fundraise it off it too. So rate and review and donate to our Patreon, patreon.com slash what the hell podcast. You never know. I might just be unjustly accused of burning down a church because I was in the area of a burnt down church with all those gas cans. <laughs> Who knows? So do all the stuff Jeremy tells you to do in the closing because he wants you to get out there and get mad, but he also wants you to not get caught, and Celtic Kings disavows any knowledge of me, churches, Bernie, or any other acts of violence or vandalism, because really they don't need that shit, and that's on me, not on them. So for me, Dave, so-called facts or fraud. They want us to allege and pledge and bow down to their god, Bledsoe, producer, bam, here's the plan. Motherfuck Uncle Sam Gavin and all the fictional ragers Against the Machine we want to say Yo we gotta take the power back We'll see you all Next week The Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast or on Facebook as whatthehellpodcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Violent